Joe. Not yet. <laughs> Joe, you know why Santa Claus is so jolly? Why? He knows where all the ho ho hos are. <laughs> I, I could have called with sluts, um, but I did it because I'm woke. Um, you ever hear of uh, uh, Freddy the Brown Nose Reindeer? No. He's the guy who used to be behind Rudolph who couldn't stop so well. And then when Rudolph would stop, and he was... I believe, yeah, he had, he had bad breaks or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hello, everybody. This is Jacques. Merry December. This is Joe. And welcome back to Carnival Personnel. We had a long, long one-week hiatus. Great bouncing icebergs. How, how was your hiatus? How was your Thanksgiving, Joe? Lame. Yours? It was, uh... Wonderful, actually. Great. I'm glad to hear that. We, uh, we I like went... how you didn't start the timer on your thing. Oh, you, put, sh- you put the timer on. Shut it. <laughs> we went to uh, up to the Great White North. We went to Montreal. Um, had, a, had a fantastic time. Uh, as we had spoke, I just couldn't do a Fox News Thanksgiving this year at my, my parents' house. Um, so it was great. You know, and, and the wife didn't even realize it's only a five-hour drive up. Like literally, it's it was a pleasant drive up. Uh, the drive home was uh, a little tricky because we got hit in one of the first two snowstorms coming back, the, the Sunday night one, um, that was the entire ride home. <laughs> about a mo- about an hour outside of Montreal is when we hit the snow and it took about like seven and a half, eight hours to... You'd think you'd go faster because of all that ice. You you would think that. Uh, no, it was a couple... It was uh, one time we you know pulled off to Pee. get some gas and... Um, yeah, I, I, I hit the brakes, but the car decided to not, and it was like, and, and we could see it from like, you know, 30 yards away. Yeah. I'm not going to stop before I get through this intersection and <laughs> let's just hope that cars aren't coming the other way. So, uh, you know, it's like, you know, uh, if you had a dashboard, Jesus, it would be covering his eyes. <laughs> you know, I, I, I told the boys quick, wake up mama. Why? I'm like, she ain't seen a wreck like this before. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so that, that was good. And, uh, and then, um, now, now, now Christmas is upon us, Joe. Yeah. It's, it's, and I'm the bottom. <laughs> Yeah, you seem like I'm, a uh, bottom. Yeah, know? yeah, I'm a Christmas bottom. I, I have discovered that. Yeah. <laughs> we, because um, we talked about it. It's like we're Thanksgiving, and it's only technically like a few days later than normal or whatever. But it's like by the time we got back, and then two snow days back to back, it's like, oh crap! It's a six. We don't have a tree up. We don't. Quick, turn on the switch and get the Christmas, you know, miracle going. I unfolded my Christmas tree early this year. I don't know what your problem is. You know, there is something to be said about the – is your tree pre-lit too? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, my, I wish mine was like a hologram. Like that's how little effort I want to put into putting up a tree. Until oh, I got to turn the hologram off when you go to bed, dear. Right. Oh, no, I have it on a timer. Because <laughs> as you – as Joe got here, we're recording um, from our humble abode today, where you live six houses away from a Christmas tree farm. And every year we walk over and get a tree. And it's, you know, it's funny. I thought management was going to be a little, a little sad because this is the first year we don't have her mom to do it. And I'm like, you know, it's that, well, if she had let us cremate her, we could have brought her with her. And my wife, yeah, that, you know, that kind of humor cheers her up. And she's like, oh, that was good. Um, you know, uh, I didn't say we can go dig her up and drag the 
<laughs> yeah. No, I'm just that's you went too far. Uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, you missed your exit. <laughs> Shit. We're gonna have to go to the next one to turn around. You know, and as Joe and I were getting ready to record, we started talking about uh the the South Park, you know, um Spirit of Christmas video that went around and I it, it led into a Matt and Trey conversation that we'll do a sideshow, you know, pretty soon on. But I think I'm gonna watch that tonight. As soon as we're done, maybe we'll just sit here and watch it together. And that will that will kickstart the Christmas spirit for me. Like let's let's get the the season started right. You see, I thought Christmas started officially when Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer aired on CBS. I believe I believe and that was Monday night. Yeah, it was. And it snowed. We had a snowstorm Monday night, so that was nice. Right. It all sort of tied together. What kind of sucked though in Boston at least is that during the broadcast, they had some weird technical glitch where – do you remember when old analog TVs had vertical hold? Yes. Where you would yeah. see half the TV's image on the top and then the other half on the bottom inverted or whatever. That happened for like 30 seconds when it came back from commercial at one time when you know, Yukon Cornelius was chipping away and seeing whether or not he was having – you know, he was going to find the peppermint that he was looking for. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Not like that. Like this. <laughs> roof, roof, roof. Anyway, um, autistic fuck. I'm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was the only thing that marred my experience this year is the technical glitches by. I believe it's CBS. I think Les Moonves had like a little fu thing at the on end. The way on the way out, like I'll, I'll I'll fix Christmas for these fuckers. I um I we've talked about this before. Always loved the Rudolph special. Always loved it. Yeah. And then in 2007, you know, our our oldest son had a little bit of a I, I don't want to call it a birth defect, but he was born with a club foot. You know, a couple months later, it's a Christmas season, and now the wife and I are watching it. You know, with our with our four month old son whose foot is in a cast who had just had surgery on it, and we're watching Santa be a douchebag because they're treating Rudolph's nose you know, like it's a birth defect and not only is it a birth defect you should be ashamed like not not you gotta read between the lines and follow the subtext he flat out tells him you should be ashamed because your son was born different Yep. and ever since then that's kind of it used to be the jump start for Christmas for us. Now, I, I want to say it's when the family gets together and we watch Elf. Um, but we watch Elf in July sometimes. So, because, uh, you know, that's a, that's a great, well, that's a great, I think it's a great movie. I it mean, is. Uh, yeah. I, I just watched Elf for the first time two years ago. And it is great. It's an instant classic. Before or after Elf 2, you couldn't. Saying, baby, it's cold outside oh, right. while you crashed the woman's shower room. <laughs> yeah, I know. That is, a, that is a troublesome scene now that you look at it. Right. I so. mean, A, doing anything. It's like crashing any woman's shower is creepy. And then B, singing that song. <laughs> but she was singing the song, so it, that's okay. That's okay, right. And she was singing it well. She was singing it very yeah, well. That's Zoe Deschanel. You, you know, know. Uh, no, she's... I'm more of an uh, Emily Deschanel man myself. She's, um... Oh, Jess. Yeah, she's, she's uh, Jess from New, New Girl. Girl. Yeah. yeah. yeah she's Zoe I, I know. No, she's Jess from New Girl. <laughs> you know, I wish that I had Jess from New Girl. <laughs> um, anyway, so, so, yeah, so, so you hate Rudolph. Okay. Rudolph's canceled. Sorry, folks. <laughs> we had a nice run. Santa can go fuck himself because he's an ableist. 
you know. Um, you should be ashamed of yourself. Speaking of like, let's uh, let's let's kick off the uh, holiday spirit with some controversy. I think the new war on Christmas has uh, has moved on to Peloton bikes. <laughs> how 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 up to date are you on that? I think I'm even more up to date on it than you are, sir. Maybe not. Oh no! I'll, well, I'll, I'll let right. you break the news on that. But all let's right. let's start at the beginning, which is a very good place to start. When I <laughs> when I first saw the ad, I thought the same thing that people ended up being outraged on. Yeah. I wasn't outraged. I was like, oh. These rich, entitled white folks whose wife is a size – and I don't know how sizes work, but I, th- I literally think there's a size zero. Mm-hmm. So this woman who is probably by most people's consideration is like a nine, nine and a half, right. is a zero size and she does – and first of all, I don't know where to hate the thing more. It's like, you know, they're, they're – you know, I was going to say yuppies. That's still a term, but like this yuppie couple – Right, I think you're sort of like a mil- not even a millennial. No, they're 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 younger, right? They're um, uh, Zoomers. Is that what you call them now? I don't even know. But they, dude, they um, they're us. What are we talking? <laughs> I mean, well, well, and so they're sitting on you know, and they're sitting on their couch. The following, well, he she gets it for the bike, but I guess the commercial is them watching her. Was she like? vlogging all year long on like Facebook and they're just watching a montage of her giving herself pep talks of this and it's like so she goes from being really skinny in a size zero to working her ass off on this bike and um, being really skinny in a size zero. Yeah, so there's a whole host of reasons why this thing was so bashed on the internet. A, the man gives... The woman, the exercise bike, it's like the new vacuum cleaner. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell your – I mean, is it – I don't know. Between, is it so wrong? Between the Time's Up and the Me Too movement, can you not tell your wife she's a fat ass and get on the bike? Is, is that- Well, here's what was not maybe <clears throat> set up properly. Okay. Did she want the bike? Maybe did she drop subtle hints that she wanted the bike throughout the year that we just didn't see, and then all of a sudden Christmas morn comes down. And by the way, maybe she's busting her ass at a gym. Maybe she's going to a gym five fucking days a week with her five-year-old in tow, you know, trying to keep a smoking hot bod for her man and herself, you know. And then, then, you know, maybe he got a raise, a promotion, some sort of windfall came in, or they just said, hey, you know what, hey, the money we're throwing at all the bullshit of going to the gym and the gym membership— why don't we just do the Peloton? Yeah, it's a little more upfront, but you get to work out at home. You're still doing the same bullshit you're doing at the gym. You spend, you're spending 40 bucks a month. And it's right next to the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. You know, right? so you can get off the bike, get me a sandwich, and then get your ass back on the bike. Exactly. You know? Well, I didn't take that from it, but okay. <laughs> you know, there's many sides to this conversation that could be told. So, yeah, it, for, it, it, but it does have a sort of weird black mirror kind of feel right. to it where... It's this sort of well, you're documenting your experience on video and and the somebody else had a point about how from a writing perspective the storytelling of the commercial is weird because there's no the, it it switches perspectives it's like first of all you're you're a third person's perspective and then it goes to this sort of second person perspective where the the hero is talking to the audience but really, it's to herself kind of thing. So you're not quite sure who to root for and who's the villain. And like, well, I'll tell you the villain because in one of the clips, she's like, 
yay, it's 6 a.m. I get to get up and work out. And, and she doesn't want to, but she's going to. Well, fat-ass McGee, who bought her the bike, is snowing away behind her. Was that, did that, did that, was that a scene where he was actually sleeping? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, she's in the bed. Hey, maybe the guy worked a fucking double to we pay for know. that goddamn Peloton. Right. We don't know the whole story. Why are we so quick to judge the Peloton wife? We do know. <laughs> you know, we do know. By the way, that's her name right now. Is the Peloton, Peloton wife. Like Baby Yoda is Baby Yoda. Peloton wife is Peloton wife. She, um, yeah, so, so. Uh, the stock, or, or I don't know if it was the stock, but the company was devalued, lost like nine hundred and forty million. Yeah, and it, million. And hold on, <laughs> and they uh, pinky by your mouth. They uh, a lot of people are blaming just the commercial, and I think that was part of the backlash. But they had also at the same time like risen the monthly subscription rate, so a lot of people had canceled. So. No, there was some factors. Perfect storm. Now, this woman is being villainized. Like, she's she's just the actress. You know what I mean? She didn't, you know. um, But but the story might have a happy ending. (laughs) Thanks to a little-known celebrity named Ryan Reynolds, who apparently... Has a gin distribution? Wait, you don't know about this? No, because I don't fucking suck the dick of every Avenger and whatever the fuck. I know Deadpool's not an Avenger. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck. Nerd. <laughs> you, you know. So anyways, this is this is a company that he runs called Aviator Gin or Aviation Gin. Or, Aviator. Or Aviator American Gin. And on Friday, they put out this new ad for these Aviator Gin. And it starts off with the Peloton wife actress staring kind of distantly into the camera. And then it zooms back and she's with a bar. With her, like a very classy high-end bar with her two girlfriends, and they're all drinking from martini glasses, or about to drink from martini glasses. And her, the first line that she says is, this gin is smooth. And then her f- girlfriends, you know, sort of give her like a little words of encouragement, and she goes, to new beginnings. And then they <laughs> toast, and then she, the Peloton wife takes the martini glass full of gin and just goes at it. Down to <laughs> Down to it. And the other girlfriend's looking on going... <laughs> It's gonna be a fun night, <laughs> and then and, <laughs> and then, then officer a second drink, <laughs> right, right. and then as they cut to the the one shot of the uh, of the gin, you hear the other girlfriend saying, "You look great, by the way." <laughs> like I don't know how that came about, but it came about really quickly. Yeah, like the Peloton wife ad came out what two weeks ago, right? Week? It seemed like. I can't keep up with time anymore because of the Trump administration, so I don't know. I think Christmas is now, or maybe it's three weeks from now. I don't know. But yeah, the the, the gap between the Peloton ad and this ad is like, boom. When we are done with the broadcast, podcast. Broadcast. Well. Three people is, counts as a broadcast. Is that what it is? Like, you know, do we not count my cats? <laughs> Anyways, uh-huh. um, you know, you and I are going to watch a couple other aviator gin ads okay. that are it there's one where ryan reynolds brother twin brother gordon interviews him and they have an estranged relationship and it starts with uh his brother gordon uh saying wow when i look at you it's like looking in a mirror eight years from now <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it goes from there uh yeah i mean it's all viral marketing that they do it's it's great, but yeah. Oh, and then the, the the tweet that accompanied the video for Aviator Gin 
that Ryan Reynolds put out says exercise bike not included. Oh, well, I mean, kudos to whoever put that together, you know, to get a hold of that girl and and really cuz she she is somehow a villain and she's still not credited, which I guess is par for the course with commercial actors. That's a whole other world, you know, just sort of like there's no IMDb for commercials, is there? I don't think so, but that would be that would be really really pointless, but fascinating. But to you have. know, honestly, you do one commercial like that when you're almost set for life. And Look at is, Jason Alexander, right? Look at John Amos. This is one of my douchebaggy LA stories. I don't remember the kid's name, and, and we could probably look it up. But I was at a party once, and this kid, and you know, talking to a couple of friends, he had done a Twix commercial. There's a Twix commercial where a kid is sitting between like his two grandmothers, like at some family be, function. More like betwixt. And uh, or, or I don't know if there's grandmothers, there's just two old ladies and like one of them like pinches his cheek. It's like maybe it's grandma's friend at a home. And he had done the commercial three or four years earlier. And he had just gotten a check like that week. For like, and he wasn't like bragging as much as he's like, yeah, I can't fucking believe that. He got like a check for like some 50 grand because like somebody picked it up to do another like six week run of the ads. Wow. And he's like, yeah, I can't believe this. It's like, I'm just sitting at home. And then all of a sudden, one commercial he'd done like, you know, a few years before. So, and then the thing, you know, so Peloton, they're still running the ad. So whether people are, you know, whether they did app, I mean, you can pull ads if they go sideways like this, but maybe Peloton's making the decision. Like, yeah, we're going to weather storm. Fuck it. Put it out there. But good for Ryan Reynolds and good for her. And bad for Peloton. <laughs> I mean, 3000 for a bike and then you got to buy the special shoes on top of that. Oh, is it three grand for a bike? Yeah. And, and then the whole thing, if you have to pay like a, a subscription a month. rate. Well, it's 40 bucks a month like you would a gym. To so have somebody yell at you. And no, well, that's the thing is they're on de- they're either live or they're like pre-recorded on-demand classes. But sometimes they do – they give you live shout-outs after a while. So it's very it's, – it's, 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 it's indoctrination of that's, sorts. That's part of the ad. It's like – you know, whatever her name is, it's like, you know, Kathy in Boston, keep working hard. And she's like, she said my name. No, great. Like, we don't have enough douchebags in Boston, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, imagine like wanting to get, you know, the uh, acknowledgement of strangers just to make yourself feel better. Anyways, if you can listen to our podcast on Do you? <laughs> iTunes. And you can go, you can go into Apple stores and listen to it on any device in there. Apparently, multiple devices. Apparently, <laughs> um, yeah. I wonder now that now that we say it, in different markets, do they say, "All right, Kathy from Cleveland, keep working hard." They said my name. I mean, do they literally add market uh, to market? Just mm, I don't you know, know, like you know, yeah. it's cheesy when you go to see a band and they're like, you know. Uh, you know, uh, Cle- yeah, Cleveland is the rockinest town in, in the world. <laughs> Woo! They said Cleveland. So I don't know. Um, we'll see. Well, we won't know because we'll never get Peloton. <laughs> hey, you know what? I love my non-Peloton wife. I, I you know, I um, no comment. <laughs> I um, uh, speaking of uh, of having a, a rough week, uh, Kamala Harris has pulled out of the presidential race. Yeah, she ran out of money, and. Dude, I, I wasn't her biggest fan. You know, I, I'm not. I'm, I, I wasn't on her bandwagon. You know, I didn't dislike her. You know, I, I think she's a great senator. Um, you know what's funny about Twitter is that you can find a way to dislike everyone. Right. 
Like, yeah. You know, the, when Kamala Harris is criticized, it's always the, the shorthand is Kamala Harris is a cop. Well, you know what I mean? Because uh, you, she's if, a, you, if you if you want to go down that road, it's interesting that you say that. Uh, I did a lot of reading this week on this and listened to a, a bunch of different voices um, that weren't in your head. Uh, it's, you can't tell. Jury's out on right. that. You know, um, Trump at one point early on considered her the biggest threat, and coincidentally, him verbally saying, you know, saying out loud to his aides and people like that that he considers her the biggest threat. This is before Joe Biden had jumped in. She was the target. And this isn't coming from her camp this week. This isn't coming from her camp the last couple months. This is coming from the FBI who went to Kamala Harris's camp and, and her and says, you're being targeted by Russian bots. You, you are now the new you know, talking point. And one of the big talking points that they started flooding like black chat groups and, and, and black, you know, Facebook, like, you know, timelines and stuff like that, putting it out there that she's a cop. That literally had come from a troll farm hmm. that they've been tracking. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't her. And, and, from, and she had been talking about it. She hasn't been making like a big deal about it or really complaining about it, but it has come up in different interviews that I've seen her over like the last few months, how heavily targeted that she was. And then, you know, and that was one of the things that they, you know, did with the last campaign. I mean, they really went after, you know, out the African-American vote to, Dissuade them from voting. Your vote doesn't matter because it doesn't matter if you vote for Hillary. She's just as bad as Trump, so you might as well stay home. Or flooding timelines and, and groups with wrong polling information or stuff like that. But this, well, she was very targeted. And our elections are just fucked because as she drops out, Michael Bloomberg buys his way in, which we talked about just before the last podcast. I mean – and the way that the debates are set up, the next debate, you know, the, 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 the Democrat debate coming up is going to look like a GOP debate, you know, just a bunch of rich white people up there. There's, you know, because as of right now, Cory Booker is on the outside looking in. And there are going to be, you know, I mean, literally, there, there right now are more billionaires running for the Democratic ticket than there are black people. And I think that's a huge problem. You know? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a major problem. And it's like exactly what the Democrats were railing against pretty much in every election. But like, you know, in the in the last, you know, election cycle, we were like, you know, anti-billionaires. Bernie was the biggest voice against billionaires and buying influence and the one percent and all that bullshit. But, yeah, now, you know, now it's it's coming to fruition. But it, and it's almost like. Because of the money involved, the Democratic committee is powerless to stop it. And, and that's the thing. It's like Kamala Harris. I, I think I think the estimate that I had seen in a number of places is she thought she was five million dollars away from keeping ongoing. If she had five million dollars more in a war chest, but here here comes Bloomberg, who writes himself a forty million dollar check to jump in the race. And again, I mean, you almost you almost have to blame Elizabeth Warren for this because. She's been so public about, yeah, rich people, you're going to fucking pay up. You know, that somebody like Bloomberg does the math. Okay, it's going to cost me out of my checkbook $50 million to run for president. If this woman gets in there, 
it's going to cost me a hundred million dollars because I'm going to have to pay more taxes. More taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the same thing. Uh, Tom, what is the other guy's name? Steyer. Steyer. Look, I mean, I've seen all his ads um, all the time because he can afford to run all his ads all the time, and and I, I think he's, I think he's been in the race longer. Uh, I think he has uh, different different objectives than Bloomberg does, but it's the same thing. Here's somebody who's literally buying his way to the top, you know, of the ticket, and these guys don't have the boots on the ground nationwide. Like Cory Booker does, like Kamala Harris does, like Bernie does, like Elizabeth Warren does, who have been running these campaigns for a year plus now. They're just literally coming in, not the ninth hour, but at least the sixth or seventh hour saying, here's a $40 million check. I'm running, bitches. Yeah, easy pass, basically, to the uh, Democratic debates. So, and, 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 and the whole bullshit that the GOP has done with the Trump hearings, with all the bad stuff – the the both sides do it well yeah this th- this is what turns people off because if you're a casual political person looking in what is the difference between you know trump buying his way in and tom steyer or bloomberg bloomberg who by the way was a republican forever and you know what's funny about trump buying his way in did he really buy his way in he i think he had his way bought in well, right he, yes. i don't think he put down dime one you know, and if he did, if he promised money, he sure as hell probably didn't pay it, uh, pay it off. So, anyway, yeah. So it's uh, it's battle of the billionaires for now, and my guess is that at the end of the day, the Bloomberg's and the Steyers will sort of lose luster because eventually it has to go to the polls and it has to be, come down to voting and it has to come down to how many delegates. You know, I mean, the, there's. Right. But at the end of the day, they can stay in it longer. I mean. Um, and they can drown out other voices that would have had a shot like Kamala Harris. Correct. Right? Correct. And you know what's funny is that this one other little side note is that when Kamala Harris had to drop out, Tulsi Gabbard had like a sort of, I guess, passive aggressive, but I guess a very cordial tweet saying, you know, um, best of luck or thank or whatever, sort of like a sorry to see you go kind of thing. And then this verified Twitter account called Trump war room sort of praised Tulsi Gabbard for her cordiality. And it's like, hmm, why would a Twitter account called Trump war room want to elevate any sort of Democratic candidate? Tulsi Gabbard is going to be in the race to the end. She has money. Mm -hmm. She has backing. She's not going to get this by far. Within 24 hours of being off the stage... With the Democrats, she's going to run a very well-funded independent candidate. She's going to be Jill Stein on steroids. and, and She's going to be Bernie Sanders in reverse. Well, the whole fact that, again, she goes on Fox News to say what a piece of shit Obama is. And, you know, it's like – and Fox News can't give her enough airtime. She is not – I mean – um, I can't. I can't even right now because she – is another you know the Russians are propping her up as well. I mean hardcore. Anyway, so but they the camera on a Tulsi Gabbard jag. The camera Harris thing. I mean, and and you know a lot of people have said it. it's like, man, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe you know maybe maybe she really is a cop. And if Elizabeth Warren or Bernie, whoever you know, gets in there, n- makes her an AG. You know, maybe that's be yep. you know a really great thing. So, but yeah, I mean the fact that 
the Democrat stage for the next debate is going to look like any GOP stage, debate stage, I think is killing the party. I, I think a couple a lack more of than maybe then. a couple more. Right. But but still as far as ethnic diversity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a couple ah, more vaginas and a, and a real cunt. But, you know, I, I said I wasn't going to talk about Garrett. Uh, oh, I thought you were talking about Trump. <laughs> um, your your boy uh, Howard Stern My this man. week had uh, had one of the best interviews that I've heard in a long time. I heard it live. Did you really? Yeah, the whole thing. Yes, two. And I was surprised. I was like, "Wow, that was two and a half hours." Because it didn't seem like it. Because they had a very great conversation. She touched on a lot of topics. Uh, they talked about her uh, her meeting up with Bill for the first time and. Even uh, previous loves, so they got to the personal side of her of her history. Uh, she told a kind of a weird story or touching. I don't know. Yeah, a, a story about her her mother and her experience, like how her mother's mother, her mother's parents were like teenagers, and they kind of gave her up, and uh, she had to basically you know raise herself until uh, the other grandparents stepped in. You know, basically humanizing. And giving a, th- a third dimension to Hillary Clinton, she even addressed like, yeah, uh, my my ex my my first boyfriend, my ex boyfriend was like a Greek god, and yes, I do like men as opposed to what you might have heard on the internet, and um, so there were a lot of things. One thing that stands out that a lot of people are jumping on, on online, of course. Everybody that hates Hillary or has a disdain for, and I kind of it soured me a little bit too in the in the interviews. This moment, thirty seconds, when they're talking about how Bernie Sanders kind of in the twenty sixteen election when he started to steal the thunder away from Hillary Clinton's campaign, how he says, and then Bernie comes in and says, "Free college for all," and Hillary says, "Well, that's so great, but how are we going to pay for it?" And then Howard sort of piles on and says, yeah, it's just like the, it's like when you're running for class president and your opponent says, you know, free chocolate milk for lunch, you know? And it's like, oh, you know, and it doesn't really look good because they're two very rich rich people kind of laughing at or belittling the idea of giving free college for all. It's like, where's the money going to come from? And we all know that, yes, there is a way if we tweak the system a bit and find divert some funds where they're supposed to go. Yes, it is feasible to give free college for most, if not all people. And, and to be clear, to be really clear, I want you to keep going on this, Joe. Yeah. But to be clear, they're talking public colleges. They're not talking Harvard is going to have to let you go there for free yeah. and Stanford. So the people who can afford to go to Harvard or Stanford or all those places mm-hmm. – they're talking Middlesex Community College. They're talking State you know, College, UMass. I, I don't, I don't want to brag, but my alma mater, Fitchburg State College. Yeah, you know, they're talking that. They're talking those reasonable things. They're and not UCLA, right. those types of places. Right. Yeah. So, so that's a big thing. And the biggest thing is, and you've seen the numbers out there. If we if we had the money for the wall, that's so much more than Medicare for all, and it's so much more than college tuition. But if we have all the people who are screaming build the wall who are saying we don't have money to educate people, we don't have money to give grandma her heart medication, but keep those fucking brown people out at literally any cost. Uh-huh. So anyway. Yeah, so there was a – that moment was – that's going around more on the internet now than anything else. That 30-second clip of them sort of talking Bernie t- – talking shit about Bernie and belittling the idea of, yeah, it's a great idea, but how are you going to pay for it? 
And it was coming from Howard and Hillary, it sounds a little, a little bit elitist. elitist and a little bit out of touch. But fuck you, Internet. You're not going to ruin this for me. I like Howard Stern a lot. I like Hillary Clinton enough. I, I love I love the clip about her talking about the inauguration speech. And uh, the thing that I hate about it is yet, it, it once again, stop fucking humanizing W. I mean, because Trump is the worst piece of shit in our history, uh, let's not forget what a piece of shit W was, but it was very interesting her talking about um, his reaction to his inauguration dress. You heard that part. Yeah. It wasn't it was it W or or HW? No, it was W. Okay. Um, During the inauguration speech when Donald Trump was talking about the fire and brimstone and the the sort of dystopian outlook on the future of America. Uh apparently according to Hillary Clinton, George W. Bush turned to him turned to her and said, uh, well, that was some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been rumored before. From different people who weren't earshot of that, but this is the first time she's like, "Yeah, that's that's how that fucking." And she went said down. it she's like she actually said like that's some weird shit. Yeah, I, I've heard a bunch of people on different shows in the last few days who worked on her campaign. Who one guy who has worked with her since she was first lady first term, and he's like, "I'm very upset that everybody is like, wow, that Hillary would have won because." Everybody who worked for her knows, yeah, that Hillary would have won. And that's who you saw in Howard Stern. What was heartbreaking is who she is. And what's even like more heartbreaking, you know, hindsight being 2020, is after the interview, there were, there were self-proclaimed conservative callers who called into the show and said, hey, man, uh, I just want to say that, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a big Hillary supporter, but man, I'll tell you, if I heard that interview, you know, back in the election— I don't know. I might have changed my vote a little bit, you know, and I don't know if that's just people. I don't know if that's just Republicans or conservatives now saying, hey, we made a really big mistake with Trump. And now that we know what a pile of garbage he is, we would have voted for Hillary and maybe gotten a better country out of it. I mean, she had said so many times and she was really upfront about it. The no win situation she was in in a couple of these moments during the camp during the campaign when when he – when Trump violated her personal space on the debate stage and was like really creepily standing right behind her, she – she part of her, she very much wanted to turn and say, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Get the fuck away from me. But she knew that she would have She'd been be a bitch. vilified as you a know, bitch. You know, it's like, yeah. Oh. And she, she talked about how like that – yeah, that is a tactic for men – in, in, when intimidating women in these type of situations, she also addressed uh, her fainting spell during right. the nine the nine eleven anniversary. Like you know, uh, she was uh, you know distraught about the the Comey letter that came out like just ten days before election day. Um, and she also talked about, and you have it on the notes, uh, the the shift, or maybe Howard brought it up, the shift in Lindsey Graham's demeanor. Oh, we talked about this before on our last podcast. The clip that's been going around about Lindsey Graham. I don't know what he was being interviewed, but he's in the back of a car talking about Joe Biden. Right. And, and, and he was sympathizing with how 
you know, by he Biden had just lost his son, and they sort of had uh, and what a great guy Joe is. Yeah, exactly. So, and he was tearing up, and he was very like simpatico and emotional. About right. Him. And then flash forward to this interview where Hillary, I don't, you heard the interview, so I don't know how it was brought up, but they start talking about Lindsey Graham, and I guess. Was it a blurb for her book or a f- he wrote the forward for a book that she had written a few years back? Yeah. And she's going off saying he was a friend, like a real friend, not not like a work colleague, somebody we liked hanging out with, somebody who was self-deprecating, who believed in climate change. And when Howard asked the $64,000 question, it's like, what the fuck happened? She's like, I don't know. Yeah, they even he he even said, like, did he sell his soul to the devil? And she's like, I, I don't want to go so far as to say that, but kind of. Yeah. She's like, did she say like a brain transplant or something? Oh, right, right. Like a brain snatch. Um, I mean, yeah. when, when you, I mean, I've never been a Lindsey Graham guy, you know, white Republican from South Carolina, but... Um, but yeah, when you see those Joe Biden clips, when you see when you take the Joe Biden clip, you hear Hillary talk about how he wrote the foreword to a book for her. You take into consideration that allegedly he believed in climate change. You take the fact that he was kind of a never Trumper, like that. Uh, that's the other clip that's going around now, and I don't know if it's who's who's circulating, but I've seen it on Twitter a lot. It's during the campaign, Lindsey Graham. Seeing how destructive the Trump was to the GOP and how he was a cancer. And I think he used the term like he's a cancer, you know, growing in my party that's going to kill the party. Mm-hmm. And he, he – that was just – he went – so the Lindsey Graham talking about Joe Biden in the car, the Lindsey Graham who was friends with Hillary Clinton, the Lindsey Graham who was worried that the soul of his party was being sucked away by by this monster is now, you know – and yeah, I, he was bitten by the zombies. It, it, yeah, there's no, you know, unless, like I, like I said, does Putin have pictures of Lindsey Graham with Jerry Faltwell Jr.'s pool boy? I put that on Twitter and I'm like, look that up, you know, because I don't know if you follow that story at all. But that, I, I don't know. you don't want it. But, anyways, it's, um, yeah, it, I, I thought the interview was great from what I heard, but you, 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 you can, watch, you can actually hours. watch on YouTube the whole interview in like five parts. And it's, yeah. It's a it's a pretty good interview, but again, uh, que sera, she's not president and probably never will be. Well, maybe Nancy Pelosi soon, um, but we'll get to that. Uh, you know, I have this in this week in awful section, and I don't know. It is awful. I, I'm I'm torn by the next thing that I want to talk about, Joe. And, um, the fact that again, the world is looking at our president. As much as it hurts you to hear that and me to say it, the world looking at our president and laughing. And it was one thing. Was was it about a year ago when he addressed the UN and he starts his speech by saying, I've done more. My administration, I've done more in two years than any president has ever done in the history of our country. And the entire UN body laughed like, like not giggled. Openly laughed. And in, in, in credit to Trump, he said, uh, well, I didn't expect that response. But the world looked him in the face and laughed at him. Mm-hmm. And for a minute, you're like, good. And then you're like, that's us. Like, like, as much as we hate it, he represents us. Yeah, just like we look at every other country with a broad stroke and, and, and as their leadership. You know, we look at it like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's 
it's bad. So you're talking about there's a uh, video going around now with, uh, who is it, Boris Johnson, uh, Justin Trudeau, and who's the other guy? Macron from France. Macron. And they're just, yeah, they're talking about Trump behind his back. Um, you probably know each and every detail about it, so please well, enlighten me. Trudeau was talking about, it was one of those things where they were at a podium together and Trump just decides he's going to go off the rails and give an impromptu press conference. And Trudeau's and you can hear the audio. You can hear him saying it, but he's also not mimicking, but pantomiming. He's like, you know, his um like yeah, all of his handle, his jaws just drop to the ground and he and he's motioning like his jaw dropping the ground. And Boris Johnson, who is the UK Donald Trump, they call him. Yeah. Even he, I mean, he's a boorish, um, you know, bully, brute, whatever you want to say. You, you look at him. I mean, he, he, you know, it's like, wait, did you, um, Barney rolling out of Moe's at the Simpson <laughs> in a little better suit is, is what Boris Johnson looks like all the time, like all the time. And they're just truly talking about. And he has way more self-awareness about himself than Trump does about correct. him. Correct. Speaking of, I'm I'm going to sidebar for just a second. Uh, So Trump is going off against. um, I don't say it right. Like the light bulbs that last a lot longer. Oh, the incandescent. Oh no, fluorescent. No, um, LEDs. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, LEDs are the longest one. Well, did you hear how he was railing against them this week? No, I heard about the toilet flushing. No, he was. He was. (laughs) Oh, Joe. I know. If if, it's too much time. No, but if you, because Joe and I have have. For years, we tried to be comedy writers. We, we, we did our little sketch shows. We've For done months, some stand up. Yeah, uh, you know, we've had some great ideas. You know, we, we've had we've had some successes. If we had the ability to write half the shit that he says, like we'd be true Matt and Trey. You know, but he's railing against these light bulbs. It's like, yeah, they say they last longer and stuff like that, and better for the environment. But you don't look as good in the light. Oh, right. And it's like you can tell it like it makes you look orange. It's like, dude, of all the things for you to say, I mean, people call you you know, Cheetolini. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you talk about self awareness, zero. Yeah, it, it makes you look orange, not us. And you know what makes you look orange? <laughs> the orange that you put on your face each and every morning. Oh my god! But but getting back to the world, laughing at him. And there was a couple other things over at that summit where people openly mocked him. And he was supposed to give a big press conference at the end. And again, just like the impeachment hearings, he no-shows. You know what I mean? He just literally abruptly left instead of defending himself, instead of you know ignoring it, instead of being presidential, instead of having decorum, instead of – you know, it, it, even though he's a big fat fuck, he never has the ability to be the bigger person. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable what an embarrassment he is. And and everybody says it, and it's one of your favorite things. There's a tweet for everything, and of course, you know, you know, side by side, you know, people are posting those world leaders, not assistants, not handlers, not you know. Ambassadors, the actual world leaders laughing at him and talking about how, you know, Obama's a laughing stock and we need a president that the world's not going to laugh at. 
cut to the world at the UN laughing at him to Boris Johnson laughing. Well, the other thing that one more thing about Trump, there's a tweet for everything, is that a couple of days ago he tweeted how never believe any news report that says sources say because that's just them, you know, that's just the media, fake news media cooking up a story that they're attributing to any source. Anybody can say sources say. And this is the same guy who says many people say X. Many lot, people, people say a lot. Many people are saying. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard that Melania is this. Uh, this is the hottest woman in the world, and I'm lucky to have her. Um, and I'm. Many people are saying that I'm uh, the slimmest guy that has ever <laughs> become president of the United States. My favorite one is the job numbers came out this week, and unfortunately. Or fortunately, the job numbers are great. Now, granted, you know, for eight years, he and, – and it's not one or two tweets. It's not like you have to go back and and do one of these elaborate searches to find that one in 20,000 tweets where he mentioned the job numbers being phony. I forget. When, 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 when Obama came in, unemployment was like eight and a half and he got it down to like five. Because uh, I remember, I remember when he, when Obama was running against Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney said within six years he'd have the unemployment rate under five, and the joke was, "It's under five. <laughs> like you're going to make the economy a lot worse, and then in your second term you're going to get us back to where we are." I mean, that was one of the uh, a faux pas on on Mitt's fault, but. Every time the job numbers came out, every single time. So once a month. For, you know, how many months times eight? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, uh, uh, Trump would say these are phony. They're ginning the numbers up. And and when he was running for president and the job numbers were going down and down and Obama had a great economy, he kept saying, well, the real number is 20 percent. I've heard. And then they show a clip. It was like 30. At one point, he said. Uh, the real unemployment number is between 45 and 48%. Like, coming out of his mouth, it's like, dude, that's worse than the Depression. Right. <laughs> like, in the Depression, the, the numbers weren't that bad. And now it's like, you know, it's the same thing. He's talking about, oh, you can't believe those numbers and they're phony. But at the same time, completely taking the victory laps, taking a skate around, three stars in the game, you know, uh, uh, with that. But it is. It's sad. On one hand, I'm happy the world's laughing at him, but yeah, that means they're laughing at us. You know, uh, uh, at least they're laughing. Can Everybody's I, having a good time. I know we're running long, um, Joe. And I mean this. I, I want you to think about it for a, a, one second before you answer, because this this isn't hyperbole. It's not a rhetorical question. How the fuck is Darren Nunes not in jail? I, I, not not thrown off Congress. Not sanctioned. How is that motherfucker not in jail? And you know what I'm talking about. No, but I guess it's because nobody's going to press charges against him because he's a guy that's in the Republican Party that's doing good for the president. Well, so you 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 have a real job. You 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 eh, have a real debatable. You have a real family and a real life. Kind of. Um, you know, I so you know, I just yesterday. Breaking the fourth wall Friday, I drove four and a half hours to six hours back from New York. I had a little time on my hand to catch up on some listening. and But I've heard this. It, it's been going around for a while. The impeachment is happening. It's, 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 it's out. You know, It's moved from 
the the intelligence committee into the next phase of it, and they're drafting the paperwork, however you say it, for impeachment. So the closed-door 11-person committee who's been on the intelligence thing through the whole impeachment, they meet – it's five Republicans, six, you know, six Democrats. They all have the same information. The information on your rundown here is the same that I have on mine. It's the same information that Devin Nunes had in his folder given to him you know, by the same people as Adam Schiff had in front of him. And through all the hearings, through all the testimony, through all the witnesses, as Devin Nunes is sitting there screaming at people and calling them liars and calling them names, he knew. He knew that Adam Schiff knew. And everybody in the committee knew that Devin Nunes has had eight conversations with that guy. Um, it's, it's Liv and Yergi. Who, who were the two people who were arrested? Oh, right. Yeah. I forget their names. Like, like Boris, and- Boris and Natasha, basically. Eight phone calls with the guy who's in jail right now, who's Rudy Giuliani's you know, henchman, um, who's Rudy Giuliani's Jeff Galuli, uh, <laughs> is in jail. And during that whole Ukraine thing, Darren Nunes was talking to them on a regular basis. And it hasn't been verified yet, but Darren Nunes might have even met with them in Ukraine. And Are you saying that there's some sort of conflict there? It's not even a conflict. <laughs> or, I mean, yeah, or, or that he the, could be there's a, there's a fucking – there's a difference between there being a conflict and you should be recusing yourself – and you being yeah. part of the bank robbery, it's one thing to have known this bank robbery was going on. It's one thing to have turned a blind eye to the footage of your friends robbing this bank. It's another thing for you to have been one of the guys in the ski masks that – Or that, one of the guards. Right. You know, and it's like and, – and then – and oh, and, and what I love so much is like – Please tell me everybody isn't this fucking stupid who's listening to Fox News when his lawyer goes on and says, well, we don't know people didn't, weren't using his phone. It's like I, I've, kn- I've known you. Joe. We, we, we've done this podcast now together for what, two, two years we've been doing this, two and a half years maybe. Yeah. I've known you since what, 92, 93? 94, but yeah. Have I used your phone eight times? <laughs> well, like, like in all the years I've known you. So you didn't get a cell phone until 2001, 2002. So in the 15, 16 years we've been buddies and I've been with you in a car on road trips or whatever, do you think I've used your phone? By the way, it's been 25 years. Eight times? <laughs> uh, no. You know, I don't even know what your phone looks like and I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then, and then you, you take it the next step. It's like, oh, well, then he's interviewed. He's like, well, I, I get phone calls. I take a lot of phone calls from a lot of people. Oh, yeah, these are outgoing calls. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like – and, uh-huh. and, and during and during the first the, the Mueller report when that was coming together, and he got caught on tape going into the White House, sneaking over to the White House, like he's on the Intelligence Committee, and he got the information from the Mueller report. This is what we're looking at. This is the next phase of it, and he takes the folder and he walks into the White House at like twelve thirty at night, and then when he got caught and they called him on it, it goes, oh no no. They had information that they wanted me to bring back to the, you know, intelligence mm-hmm. committee. It's like, no, here's 
here's the footage of you walking in with that folder that says, top secret mole information, don't show Donald Trump. <laughs> and But I, I literally don't know how that motherfucker is. Because at one point or another, all these people are – I mean, Nixon did not go to jail. Nixon did not go to jail. But I don't have the number in front of me. But 39 people associated with the break-in or the cover-up did go to jail. Mm-hmm. So – I, I hope they. I, I do hope they get their comeuppance, and I can't believe I've already mentioned him once. Our only hope, our only hope, other than you mean Ben Kenobi, old Ben, um, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. Our only real hope when this goes to the Senate is Mitt Romney, and I say that because Mitt Romney does not need the GOP's backing and support to be the GOP senator from Utah for now until he dies. Like he will run unopposed for Senate in Utah the rest of his life. And you know that's not an exaggeration. Because he's Mr. Mormon. I mean he's – And he's the guy. He's the guy. Yeah. Like like literally he – he if, if, if he could run – remember when Stephen Colbert ran for president of South Carolina? <laughs> Mitt Romney could run for president of Utah and win in a landslide. He doesn't need their money. He doesn't need their support. He doesn't have to worry about the GOP or Trump having him primaried in his next run-up. Nobody is going to run against him. He will run unopposed for you know for his seat on the Republican side forever. Yep. And there's been a couple times he has spoken up a bit, you know, more, more than any other Republican. He is the one person who can literally, I mean, if it's, you know, what is it, 49, 49 to 51, they have the Senate by two seats. Well, if, if, he, if he voted for impeachment, um, then Mike Pence would be the tiebreaker, except for the fact that finally – Mike Pence is starting to be – It's there's so much shit on Trump and there's so much bad shit out there that finally though people are – oh, wait a minute. Not only was Mike Pence in this room on this call, but we just found out that Mike Pence also made calls to the president of the Ukraine around the same time. So hopefully he won't be able to – but it's sad that you have to you know, hitch your wagon to, to hey, Mitt any, Romney. Anything – that you can do to uh, make this guy go away, we will do. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll move on, but I just want to say zipping on. Rudy Giuliani, as we're recording, is in Ukraine. Cool. Like, he, like, he, like he, he deserves a vacation. He's still over there, you know. Uh, and, and Nikki Haley came back in the news this week. She's going on a big thing about the Confederate flag and, and how Dylan Roof ruined it for everyone. Right. But before Dylan Roof, it was the Confederate flag stood for. Um, service, sacrifice, and heritage, and, and then, them, like the good old boys. Yes, sacrifice to a different country. Like they all forget all these GOP people who are like, you know, Lincoln. Lincoln was a Republican. Yes, but the Confederate flag is everything he stood against. <laughs> so you can't say we're the party of Lincoln. Man, I wish we could have slaves. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's 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 funny. I know. It it it, 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 it it's not. It's just. Ignorant. Yeah, it, it it's ignorant. And so, so you know, speaking of ignorance, sport, sport. Okay, uh, no, no, we're not. We don't have a self indulgent theater. Nope, gotta go. And no defunct sponsors. Nope. All right, sport. all right. But um, where, 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 where are you? You know, falling in right now on Antonio Brown, and we say this. We you know, fourth wall down. This is you know, the Patriots are 
24 hours from now, play Kansas City at home with, statistically speaking, statistically speaking, the worst, the second worst running game in all of football, the worst tight end. Um, like they only have, they have the fewest catches, the fewest yards, and the fewest touchdowns of the 32 NFL teams from the tight end position. Mm-hmm. So second worst running game, worst tight ends, and probably, probably, probably Tom Brady's worst. In 2009, he had a pretty bad receiving core, but probably his worst or second worst wide receiving core in the history of his career. Um, so I'm not really optimistic. And it's really funny. Antonio Brown is unemployed. He's the best receiver out there. Nobody's picking him up. And, and all the people who could pick up wide receivers we talked about already have. And he toggles back and forth between begging openly, openly begging to come back to the Patriots, tweeting out, uh, Instagramming out, you already have to pay me. I'm already counting against your salary cap. And Tom's my boy. You know, why aren't you bringing me back? And then the next day, apologizing to Robert Kraft. And then two days later, not only bringing up the Kraft thing, but bringing up the most intricate details of the Kraft thing with butt play. Oh, <laughs> you know, no. Like like openly. You, you see that? He, he tweets out there. You know, he put a tweet out there about like, okay, you get your finger in your butt while getting a massage and I can't play football for your team and I'm the bad guy. And people are like – Oh, like how, how is he not? And then two days later, you know, apologizes and then says he wants to come back. And then he's a, he's a football player who's dumb. Is that, is that it? Does that mean that maybe he's just like a, a, an impulsive, dumb young guy who maybe realizes that he's probably not going to uh, get an an NFL job. I mean, there was so, I mean, that's a, that's the craziest thing. Like, like, my management was very upset when when Michael Vick got his job back in the NFL, yep. and she doesn't understand, and she does not know anything about football. And she was taking the liberal snowflake. Well, Colin Kaepernick should be playing. It's like, n- no, he's not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not good. He's could he be a backup somewhere? Yes, but. You know, is, is he one of the best 32 quarterbacks out there? No. Is he one of the best 64 quarterbacks out there? Maybe. You know, maybe. But anyways, but Michael Vick was awesome. You know what I mean? I mean, he when he came back and he with Philadelphia, he had a he had a season and a half window where he was a top three, five quarterback again. He was a top five quarterback, top ten quarterback at least before he went away. And he just, you know, came out of there and, you know, and it's like, yeah, he would have a job. Antonio Brown is as good – Antonio Brown is better wide receiver than Michael Vick is a uh, – was a quarterback. As good as Adrian Peterson who was suspended for a year, as good as him and his as – as Peterson's prime as a running back. But nobody's taking him and that's the other thing. Even if you're another team on the bubble and we've talked about this and – Nine and seven gets you in the playoffs and eight and eight doesn't. And Antonio Brown is sitting there and he can come in the last three or four games and help you. And nobody's picking him up. I mean. So maybe what you're saying is that Antonio Brown should just shut the fuck up. Right. And let the storm blow over 
and you'll be Michael Vicked back into the NFL because you're good. Great. And you're young. You know, and I don't know. You know, and the other thing is it might be hard tackling him because you don't know if he has a ball because he's black and the ball's black. And sometimes it's hard to see. The ball's not black. though. I know. But did you hear? So that's my way of segueing into the 49ers broadcaster this week Uh who has been suspended because Lamar Jackson for who's tearing up the league. He's the Baltimore um, quarterback, black kid said that when he goes to hand the ball off between the uniforms, his black skin, and and the dark ball, it's hard to tell if he's handed the ball off or if he still has it because, you know, it's – and – and 2019, saying stuff like that gets you uh, on the broadcast booth. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm not – I'm not defending this. I will say a couple 49er players – you know, have come out and said, yeah, we talked about that in the game room. Like he, he's repeating what we have said, you know, before. And the other thing is, um, you know, in hockey, a lot of people put black tape on the stick because, you know, it, it allegedly hides, mask the puck. In uh, baseball, same thing. You know, pitchers aren't allowed to leave, wear long sleeve white shirts. I don't know if you know that. Like, you know, when people in cold weather, Red Sox pitchers will wear right. red shirts underneath or different because it, it hides the ball. All that said, even if it's 100% true. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> and you know what? Let, let somebody else say that. If the color commentator happens to be a colored person. <laughs> And this is 1964, and I say color person, <laughs> then you can – And the South. make Right, in the South. <laughs> this is Auburn football. You're right. In 1964, well, the color folk is really good. Uh, you might you might, you might, might be able to get away with this. 2019. White guy. White guy. All right. Maybe not say it. Nope. <laughs> you know? Um, let me guess, seasoned veteran or a uh, middle-aged guy? Uh, who, who, who is the, who, no, no, who is the guy? Like, was it like one of those things where it's like, is it like um, the guy who was, uh, who was the guy from uh, Hockey Night in Canada? Oh, 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 yeah, Don Cherry. Well, Don Cherry, yeah. Is it a Don Cherry situation where this guy was just sort of like always saying kind of weird shit and then it's nah, like, nah. It, it was, you know. Or I mean, he's an older he, guy. He, he's, or, you know. Was he an pro- older guy? Probably between your age and our age, oh. broadcaster, been doing the job for a while. And again. Yeah. He might have been talking to one of the players who who brought that up right. in the conversations during the week, and then in the broadcast, I, I don't know the full detail. I don't know when in the game happened. Maybe there was a handoff, and somebody thought he was still scrambling with the ball, or thought mm. you know he handed off and he still had. I don't know what, but I just know it's 2019. You're a white broadcaster. You don't say something like you know like that. Yeah, because um, that's just the way it is. Joe, as we sit here right now, talking pleasantly, the uh, the Buffalo Bills are nine and three, and the New England Patriots are five and two going into tomorrow's game. If Kansas City wins, and there's a really good chance of that, and Buffalo wins, you realize the AFC East that we joke about for the last ten years. We joke about the Bills celebrating September. The Bills are going to the playoffs. The Bills might actually win this division. If, I mean, the Patriots are ending the hard part of their schedule. Well, what people thought at one point was a hard part of their schedule. They have a game against Buffalo coming up. They could decide that, you know, this conference for the, this, this division for the first time in a decade, by this point, by week 12, by week 12 or 13, like 
nine of the past 10 years, the Patriots have won the division. <laughs> you know, they have won the division by this point. It's, a, it's really in question. Any given Sunday, right, folks? Am I right, football sports fans? <laughs> and, yeah. And, and you said five, and I think you said five and two by accident. You meant ten and two. Ten and two. Yeah, ten and Patriots two. Patriots are ten and two. Bills are nine and three as of this recording. By tomorrow, by the time this drops, they could both be ten, ten and three. three. Um, you know, the, the I will say this, and I know I'm going to jinx it, but uh, too late. The Boston Bruins have not lost at home. In regulation <laughs> this year, the Boston Celtics have not lost at home, and the Patriots haven't lost at home. So this season so far, and it's not like three games in for each team, you know? It's been uh, almost a dozen games for the Bees at home. Um, they have lost three times at home, which used to be a tie, you know, but they've lost in overtime. So they still get a point or they lost in a shootout. But... um but none of that makes me feel good. The regular season of the NHL means nothing to me. Uh, the first three rounds of the playoffs mean nothing to me. Uh, basketball, I, I don't really care. I'm, I'm happy that you know the local sport team does well. You're more of a game seven of the finals kind of guy. If we're winning. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, where the fuck are you, Marchant? Um, yeah. So anyways, that's it. That's it for sports, you know. But I, 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 I I'm... I'm um I'm I'm ready to put my soul on the line and say you know what can AB play a whole season in the NFL I don't I don't ever see it happening again can we bring him back next week for two for two games in the playoffs and you know I mean because right now like four weeks ago we it was it the Patriots are eight no they're marching to who 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 are they going to play in the Super Bowl was the only question and now it's like are we are we going to play a road wildcard game <laughs> with no tight ends? That's what makes it fun. Uh, gaming. What have you done this week? Oop. Pardon me. Uh, what have I done this week? For gaming, not, not much. I have to say, not a whole lot. Yeah, just, uh, just, just watching. I don't know. I've just been watching Netflix, uh, kind of. What the hell have I been doing? It's all been a blur. I don't know. I've been uh, staring. I've been doing a lot of staring, a lot of <laughs> thinking. Um, I know you haven't been gaming, right? Nine weeks. Nine. Um, like the Bruins. Excuse me. Like the Bruins with their home win streak that includes some losses. I, I'm, I'm I'm playing that homescape game on my phone way too much. Huh. It's like a bejeweled, like match these things up. No. And, and the I amount think I saw it on your phone when we started the yeah, podcast. Yeah, you know, because guys, I, I hit some level and you get this prize, and it's like eh, I'm not explaining <laughs> it, but anyways, right. um, I will say we don't have any games here to do a review because they're not they're all boxed up and put away with all the systems. Um, the little guy is halfway through weekend eight gaming free. Um, not meltdown over the gaming free, but uh, but but doing it. Um, but our friend Chris Berrigan sent me a screen grab. Uh, Resident Evil is re-releasing Resident Evil 3. Whoa. I don't uh, think I've ever played Resident Evil 3. I know. I, ha- I haven't. It's the PlayStation. I think it was on PlayStation 2 or was that PlayStation 1? I think it might have been the first PS1 yeah. game on PS3. Uh, 
on PS. I'm from two. PS2, PS2. Yeah, right. yeah. Resident Evil's one and two were on the original PlayStation, right? And PS3 was the PlayStation Two. Okay, three, four, and five was the first one on PS3, right? Originally, and I wonder, you know, because we've talked about that, so they've redone two last year. No, they redid four a couple years ago, which is still tank controlly. It's great. It's Chris Berrigan's favorite one. Like the story, and and Resident Evil Four was his favorite one. Yeah, Resident Evil 4 wasn't as tank controlly. Resident Evil 4 was like the first real... It's not as fluent as 5, and I don't know right. how to describe, but it wasn't tank. Yeah, it's, and a, it little, it's a little more like aim and target kind of thing. Yeah, But you have to turn your body 45 degree this way to shoot back that way okay. kind of thing. Yeah, I've played it, but yeah, you're right. It's a little bit... Uh, it's not as fluid as 5. And, and I, I love them to redo that, you know, to, to make it, you know, and then when you... Then, you know, of course, it's just the way it works. Six was more fluent than five. Seven was just game changing. Seven was just really, really. I think different. the hallmarks though were yeah, like Resident Evil was a, itself like groundbreaking. Four when is, was a, a, a game changer in the Resident Evil franchise, and then seven, yeah, right. Well, and then five, five, I guess, was the first more. It was more a shooter game yeah. than it had been a horror game. Like like five is. Here's a thousand zombies coming at you, motherfucker. You got three bow and arrows and one bullet in your chamber. Figure it out. Yeah. Uh, where the other ones were you know, stealthy or map like, yeah. figuring clues out and yeah. stuff. So I know nothing about it. Three. Um, I just know. I don't know how long the the game embargo will last here. I just know that I'm really hoping that you get VR this year and. Uh, and maybe accidentally, you know, maybe for Christmas I get you Resident Evil Three, and um, it's true. In Lowell, we lose power a lot during storms, and I just might have to, you know, sleep over your house a few times. Okay. I, I don't know where the fucking kids and management are going to sleep, but I know. we have an attic. I'll drop them, in, you know, the the children in the attic. Um, but yeah, that's all I have for gaming. Is I guess Three is coming out, and I'm trying not to talk about it around the kid because. Um, yeah, you don't need that sort of uh, aggravation. And, yeah, yeah it, right. It's like, yeah, it's like talking about Halloween during a Christmas uh, candy embargo. Right. You know, <laughs> I I don't want don't even mention candy embargo. Uh, I know, as we eat candy. Uh okay. You mentioned Netflix. What are you watching? Hmm. I think I'm I'm still going through Cheers. I'm on season. What am I on? Season nine? Nine. <laughs> I think I'm on season nine. Yeah. I, no, I made it to the 200th episode because they had the 200th anniversary clip show uh, hosted by oh, um, um, John McLaughlin of the McLaughlin Group. Wrong! <laughs> <laughs> Remember that guy? Shinehead O'Connor! <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm watching that. What else am I watching? I'm watching, oh, the movies that made us. Yes, I, my little guy had talked about that because he was all excited because we watched a lot of the toys it made us. Yeah, it's the same production company, and it's uh, it's an offshoot of that. And they did four movies for their first series, and it was uh, Ghostbusters, Die Hard, Home Alone, and Dirty Dancing. And I've seen Dirty—I haven't seen the Dirty Dancing one, but I saw the Die Hard one. Fun fact: uh, I just watched Die Hard for the first time in its entirety uncensored I think last week I think I just watched Die Hard this week for the first time I mean I've seen to get in the Christmas spirit yeah I've seen Die Hard and by the way prior to okay first of all I'm a bad person secondly I'm a terrible person thirdly I'm a horrible person fourthly 
I I did watch Die Hard three in the theater. Of course you did. <laughs> I'd be disappointed. I loved I liked Die Hard three a lot. Die Hard three was probably the second best Die Hard. In Which my was one that has Kevin Smith in it? That might have been Die Hard four. Five was a really bad one. Like okay. uh, Die, Die Hard four was like the because I know there's I can't remember them, but I remember the one with Kevin Smith. He was called in mm. to punch up the script. Oh, and he then he threw himself and they threw him in there for a line. Okay. Oh, but then Bruce Willis did that movie with Kevin Smith. What was and, it? Was Stakeout, or and, and he loved him. What was the name of that movie? I don't remember. Yeah, well, I remember what Kevin Smith was saying. He would write some changes of dialogue, and I'm, I know I'm stealing your thunder here. And what they would send him in to get approval and wait and wait and wait, and then have notes, and it went back and forth, and it and it's dragging on a couple days, turned into a couple weeks. And then they weren't approving things, and then there was something that he wrote that you know uh, Bruce Willis really loved, and they kept saying no, and he rewrote it, but kept the same thing, and they said no, and then finally, like he was Kevin Smith, and I've heard him talking about you know on a podcast talk about this, and Bruce Willis took the phone out of his hand and says, "Who is this? Okay, uh huh. No, I hear you. Uh huh. Okay, wait, wait." Let me ask you one question. Who's your second choice to play John McClane? <laughs> he goes, uh-huh. Okay, I'll tell him. He goes, yes, you whatever the fuck. <laughs> whatever the fuck. <laughs> and it's like, that's one of my favorite stories from Karen Smith. He's uh-huh. like, he listened to the guy say his piece. And then he's like, who's your second choice to play John McClane? Yeah. Okay. All right, I'll tell him. Yeah, we can do what the fuck we want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and no more script revision. So, yeah, Die Hard, I'm watching. Uh, I, I watched in its entirety Die Hard for, I think the first time ever. Why? What, what what brought that up? Well, the movies that made us had the Die Hard um, segment. Like they actually go into the making of Die Hard and uh, how you know even during the marketing, like they had this you know big action movie on board uh, to promote. They put the trailer together. You know, Bruce Willis was uh, you know heavily featured on the original poster, and then the trailer dropped, and people were the test audiences were laughing. Whenever Bruce Willis appeared on the screen, because he's the guy from Moonlighting, he wasn't the big buff action star like Arnold Schwarzenegger right. or, or or Sylvester Stallone, and so when you see this kind of averagey kind of guy running from the bad guys, you're like, what, what is this? So they were laughing at Bruce Willis. They pulled him off the the poster. They kind of downplayed it, and then of course it releases to like enormous numbers. And then they put him back on the poster, and he becomes a bona fide action star. And it's a game changer for action movies. And then every other action movie that came out after Die Hard is Die Hard on a boat, Die Hard on a plane, Die Hard in a you know right. movie theater, that kind of thing. Uh, so it, it, that was in itself a game changer. Um, Alan Rickman, and that's another thing. Um, a week ago, I went to see with a friend of mine, Peter, um, the uh, Galaxy Quest documentary wow. that was uh it, it was you know released in theaters like you know some select like those what are the, the fandom whatever the, yep. in the fan, whatever the hell that is they put those uh, events together and that was a very uh, great documentary but you know alan rickman was uh in that as well if you remember galaxy quest the one oh, of the great one of the great one of the, great, one of the best star trek movies of all time. ever yeah and um, and it was interesting because towards the end of the documentary paul Shear, the comedian he was given some sort of like development deal with DreamWorks who had, you know, Galaxy Quest as one of their properties. And 
he was they Paul was asked Paul Shear was asked by DreamWorks which IP did you want to maybe do some something with and he's like well you know I kind of want to do Galaxy Quest but I know that's never going to happen and they started talking and he came up with all these ideas and they got everybody on board to do a reboot for Galaxy Quest and then Alan Rickman goes ahead and dies and then that, oh, dick. yeah and that's it. So, anyways, but uh, then that got me thinking about Alan Rickman and the whole thing. I was like, you know, I really should watch this movie that introduced Alan Rickman, like the, uh, the to the world, this Die Hard movie that everybody's raving about. Um, the best story about the Alan Rickman thing is, uh, well, one of the best stories is that when he's being dropped from the, uh, the, the, the at the end of the movie, spoilers, when he's being dropped from the skyscraper, and the stunt coordinators are saying, okay, we're going to drop you on three, one. Two and they let him go, and they they got an, like that that shot of him looking scared shitless is a genuine shot of Alan Rickman looking scared shitless, not being ready to be dropped from forty feet up high. Okay, anyway, so here's another one. My douchebag, my life is different than a lot of people's life story, um, and and I can say it now, um, so. No, no one's listening to the podcast who doesn't know this story. But my wife, management, was the uh, travel nanny or a nanny for the Royal Family of Qatar. And this story you can look up on, you know, Google this. If anybody doesn't know the story who's listening to this, please Google this. She worked for a man who is the brother of the Emir of Qatar. His name is Sheikh Khalid. Um, and complete douchebag and a few years ago we were in LA we had moved to Qatar and then they went back to LA for six months so they moved us back and he is drag racing his Porsches up and down the streets of Beverly Hills he actually clipped a couple cars I mean in Beverly Hills I mean they're narrow streets and, and it's residential yeah it's a lot of rich people but they still have fucking kids who play on the sidewalk and outside and People were complaining, and so there's this. Just look it up on uh, on the net. You know, you can just put Qatari Sheikh, or his name is you know uh, Sheikh Khaled um, Althani, and the police come to the door, and she's there when this happens, and because of who he is, he has. They're called the Amiri Guard, and which is their secret service. But they're always, no matter where he goes, or his wife goes, or the kids go. There's always one to three uh, off-duty sheriff department, LAPD people, you know, you know, cops who are with them. Well, the cops show up at his house to answer complaints about this. Mm-hmm. And the cops tell him, okay, we're going to talk to him. This is going to go away. Just let us handle it. And he goes, no, no, I'm going to handle it. And he comes to the door and he's like – they're like, oh, are these your cars? They, they you know, question him. And he, he goes, I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional race car driver. Let me show you my credentials. He pulls out his passport and he shows him that it's stamped diplomatic immunity. Essentially, he said, hey, Paul Blart, go back to the fucking mall. Shuts the door on their face and then turns and management is there. This isn't secondhand. This isn't. A story from somebody else who worked for him. He goes, just like in Die Hard. And he thought it was hysterical. He thought that he could flash his 
diplomatic immunity passport. And it's like, this guy's a complete douchebag, but he's self-aware enough to know he's the bad guy in all these movies. Wow. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's my that's, – I will never hear Die Hard because what is the big line from that? Your diplomatic immunity. Um, what? Isn't that the one where he's like it's Yippie-ki-yay, motherfucker? But no, well, okay. Diplomatic immunity is from what? Die Hard Two? Is that Die Hard Two? It must have been because it's not Die Hard One. It's You're just, sure? Because uh, he couldn't arrest him because he had diplomatic immunity. Oh, oh, they couldn't go in and arrest him. They, I thought, oh, because he. All right, maybe. I guess so. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I was, uh, yeah. I, I, so whatever. I have poor recall. Either either total way. recall. I, a oh, great movie. Okay, movie. Anyway. Anyways, come on, man. But, but no, I'm glad. And, and, and that's one of those ones that's like, you know, the whole debate because there's some Batman fans who think like, you know, Batman's a Christmas movie. This is a Christmas movie. I I, I had no real opinion of it going in. And then obviously the um, just because it doesn't have snow and Santa doesn't mean it's not a Christmas movie. It takes place during Christmas. There's Christmas music in it. It has Christmas and Hollis, which is funny because... Bruce Willis is like, put on some real Christmas music. This is Christmas music. Argyle, the the, the limo driver. Um, I'm sorry, you're pointing at something. Christmas and Hollis by Run DMC <laughs> is the closing <laughs> the song. Yeah, we'll see about that. I had already put that on, and I didn't know you were going to talk about that. Okay, so uh, let's uh, wrap it up. But you, 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 another thing I'm watching, of course, is Baby Yoda and Amy Sedaris. Is in see, episode five. You, 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 what, you, what are you watching? I'm watching the Baby Yoda show. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite thing on Twitter that you know management's like best friend you know was talking about is like she got Disney plus plus which is just baby Yoda drinking soup all the time right. and and this week the only thing that kept me from going to the rickety stool and rope store is a clip from the end of episode four where baby Yoda keeps hitting a button on uh is it is it slave one is that the name of his uh, well slave one is boba fett boba fett ship okay That's, so uh, this isn't boba fett no this it's is not. another guy we, we realize that this now is, is, they just call him mando for now uh which by the way it's like women are losing their shit over this guy and then nobody knows what he looks like no one knows what he looks it's and, 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 the sound of his voice well the sound of his voice and the fact that he's taking care of this yeah baby yoda but the clip and it's all over twitter and i've i've personally seen 12 maybe a dozen versions of this where baby yoda hits a button uh, to his right he's like in the passenger seat and it causes something in the ship and on his dashboard you know on the left hand side you know mando turns it off and then baby yoda hits the clip again and then mando turns it off don't touch that don't touch it and then the best one is like he and, and my youngest you know, even as a baby stares right at him doesn't break eye contact and leans over. And <laughs> there's so many versions of songs, like every song. And and I thought the best one was um, was um, Air of Night by Phil Collins. In the air tonight. The first one he doesn't, you know, it's the opening bars. Cuts I it off. can feel it coming. And then the third time he hits it is a... <laughs> and in the movie or in the TV show, the plan, the ship is shaking because whatever that button did, it caused it to like lose. <laughs> and it was so perfect. And I, and I had said, I put onto it, I'm like, it's like, why haven't I found a Rick Rolling version of this? And then about 20 minutes later, somebody's like, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so this week's episode. So now management and I for... Three, four years, we've been trying to get caught up on Arrow and Flash. And by we, I mean, I was fucking caught up. 
I was to date, bitches. She decides she wants to jump on the shows. Um, uh, so you're going to miss the in, uh, but, crisis in infinity? No, no. Earth? I, I, I've already told her. It's like last year, the crossover thing. I'm not, you know, I, I know it's going to be spoilers for other things, but I'm not missing that. That, fuck it. Right. But because of her absolute obsession with Baby Yoda – and her being pissed, she was actually really pissed and put it – I think it was on Facebook. She had you know, put it out there and her friend kind of apologized because her friend two episodes ago when Baby Yoda's drinking soup, my wife thought – she said, and I quote, my ovaries hurt. <laughs> like seeing Baby Yoda drink that. We were in Montreal watching it last <laughs> Friday and when that happened. And she goes, yeah, but it's kind of ruined because she had posted it. It's like we had watched we had watched it. Friday night, but by Friday afternoon, she her friend. Well, that's the thing is that friend Disney, posted you're right because they drop it like Friday and morning at midnight or two a.m. So or something. her friend who didn't work on Friday post and and so so here's the funny thing and I didn't know this you know you know why there's no baby Yoda merchandise which would it, it literally it would be on par with Cabbage Patch dolls yeah why isn't there any merch why believe it or not John Favreau. John Farrow told them, nope, because had they come out with March, people would have known about Baby Yoda. Mm -hmm. And he wanted it to be – because you didn't know what the fuck it was was. to the very last shot of episode one. Yep. And and that – it officially – the show officially went from being The Mandalorian. To the Baby Yoda show. And so – he didn't want because if you had any that much and then Disney like last week said, oh, March is finally here and it literally looks oh, you're too young. Did you? I know. Come on. No, and the, I'm an old man. And, and when I was a kid. Monty cheese? When I was a kid, there was <laughs> now, you, now you, you, you know you put those things in my head and I have to play the whole thing. Um, but but. Do you, do you remember iron-on T-shirts? Yeah. Okay, because that was a big thing when you know I was a kid. Yeah, before. you'd get the the film and you'd iron them on on a white T-shirt. Yeah. And it lasts about a week. Yeah, and it shrinks, or, it crinkles. Or, or and... three washes at most. Right. Um, it's like any Ghostbuster shirt that I get off eBay. <laughs> they, they all, that's what they've released. They're like, oh, here's Baby Yoda merch. And it looks, it's these, these T-shirts with it that look, it couldn't have looked more rushed. And it's like... No, I, I mean, I just can't imagine. You know, but that's the thing. Disney can't go ahead and mass produce these Baby Yoda and an egg and, and it not – the plushies not leak out online. Yeah. I can't believe – and kudos for them and, and for John Farrow to say no because literally this has cost them I, – I can't say billions. Right. But well, guess what? When Baby Yoda does come out, even if it's in March or February, they will sell them. At the same, if not more, amount. You think? Yeah, think. I do think that they will sell well. I mean, it it it, it is unbelievable. And I know people have said this before on Twitter. This is the not the mama of the 2019. We get it. We know we're going to hate Baby Yoda in 2020. He's going to be canceled. Um, look up the word milkshake duck. That's all I'm saying. Just milkshake duck. Milkshake duck. Just look it up that term. It's a, a, a kind of a new term. I'll just leave that with you to look up. But um, that's – yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens with Baby Yoda in 2020 or when season two of The Mandalorian drops. And um, yeah, we'll see how much uh, 
people love Baby Yoda. Um, I wonder what Baby Yoda's first word is. Um, one spoilery thing I don't, I didn't like from Episode Five of The Mandalorian was that when another bounty hunter was going after the Mandalorian in the beginning of the episode, and he says, "I can bring it in hot, or I can bring it in cold," and then uh, Mando blows up the other guy's ship, and he says the words, "That's my line." I didn't like that. It's a little too modern, meta-y, like my line. It's very a Hollywood type thing to say, you know, like. Not something, I don't know, that took me out of it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I do like, however, the Amy Sedaris character. It was great. She's like a, people pointed out online, that's where I get all my uh, opinions from, that she looks like a cross between Ripley from Alien and uh, Richard Simmons. So, <laughs> oh. oh, good. You know, because she does have that 80s vibe, which is fine because everybody from this time period should look like they're from the 80s because that's when this movie left off in production. It's a, I, episode five was great. They're all great. But it's the first time I was a little taken out of it because it's like it's the first time. Oh, that's a set that, that you could tell that they were on a soundstage. Look, I love the show. Well, and inside the cantina? No. Well, tell me about the cantina. It's the same exact place where it's, same, it's same, exact. same chair same that chair. Han Solo sat in. I was looking for the yes, burn mark. That's what I was on the wall, for. <laughs> like right over his left sh- his, uh, his left shoulder. Yeah, there's this up and coming bounty hunter that uh, Mando meets at the cantina, the exact same one where Greedo shoots uh, Han Solo, and this guy's sitting in Han Solo's seat. And like I was looking over, I was like, "Come on, man! Is there a burn mark there? What? You know, they didn't paint that place in five years. Let's go." But I did. Like, that looked like a set, but they're outside at night, and it's just, instead of looking like they were in a vast desert, oh. it looked like... What, did you just see wrinkles in the sky? <laughs> stage eight, you know. But the show is great. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. It's Baby Yoda show. Baby Yoda show. Um, so that's it. Uh, but Every fucking episode's a meme now. Every so, goddamn episode of Baby Yoda show is a meme. That's it. You know, and I, um, I did... I did tell the wife, um, I, I I will not, I will not Netflix or Amazon cheat on her, but Miss Maisel season three is out. I yet to see Miss Maisel season two. Um, you're dead to me. I know. Wait, but you saw season one. Yeah. Before you saw season two, of which before <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm actually going against the grain. I'm not. I'm skipping over season two to immediately arrive at season three. Uh, yeah. I, 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 the, you know what's great is. All the episodes stand alone, although there are story arcs. Mm. You know, it's interesting because you saw that the um, Wait, Alex Borstein. I'm, 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 I'm awful at names, but um, but the woman who won Alex Borstein. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's like yeah, she was she was great in the season, but they do the season recap. Excuse me, sir. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, no, I can't. I Don't can't get into the, the weeds. No, thing. no. But anyways, I'm really looking forward to that. Like. Oh, so because we never finished, I, and I don't know if the boys is out. It's like season oh, two, but yeah. the boys is coming out. Oh, really? We didn't see. We saw the first seven of eight episodes of season one because the boys just came out earlier this year. Came out in G- G- uh, January. Yeah. So, oh, so you thinking next January? No, no, they're already releasing. Like, oh, yeah. Hmm. Because same thing with Maisel. Season two of Maisel was just like four or five months ago. Really? 
Oh, wow. Yeah. God, I mean, this Trump administration really warps it, it, time, it, it, man. It, it, I really don't know when it, things happen anymore. I mean, up is down, I, left is right. I'm thinking that this podcast now is like 90 minutes long and it can't possibly be <laughs> what? No, nobody, nobody likes you, <laughs> why, including me. Why do you got to be um, you? <laughs> you know, it's not to quote, to quote the naked day. It's like, it, it's not you. It's just everything that you do. It pisses me off. <laughs> you know? um, so, right, well, so that, parenting tip, you got one, you got one for the, for the holidays yeah. to start off? If you have to be somewhere uh, at a certain time for your son's play, uh, make sure that you leave in enough time to get there so that he doesn't miss his call. Or you got to go now? Pretty soon. Okay. Yeah, very, very soon. Um, very, very soon. So because we're international travelers and we went to Montreal for, for our Thanksgiving, fun fact, not their Thanksgiving, theirs was in October, um, Great time, a lot of fun things. Very, very, very yeah, the city's great. Old Montreal, all that stuff. But my parenting tip is when you go to Montreal, opposed to Vancouver or to Toronto, where the language is French, and a lot of people have are speaking in French um, or speaking in English with a French accent, you remind your children. They're not the ones with the accent. <laughs> we we are in their city. <laughs> uh, you little fucks are the ones with the accents. Uh, so when you travel, my parenting tip is make sure your kids know you're the dumb fucks because you're not communicating clearly which kinder egg behind the counter that you want and they're not understanding you. This is a you problem, not a them problem. Because French is what's spoken here, um, and French is a native is a national language in that just that province, um, and you're not even speaking English that well. You're speaking American. Um, we already have enough going against us internationally, so don't mock anybody's accent because you are the ones with the accent up here. And scene. Don't be that ugly American. Exactly. All right. Uh, so that 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 Joe. I'm, again, it was great. You know, you know, the hiatus was great, but it's great to see you. Um, Good eating with you again. Merry, Merry, uh, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, on this on this podcast, we say Merry Christmas, and it's New Year's Eve, not New Year's Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Such a hack thing to say. So, it's so stupid. It is <laughs> so dumb. It's been said 3,000 million times. It's the first I've heard it. Oh, man. You know, you got to read Twitter a little deeper than that. You got to get past not, the Rachel Maddow feeds. Not, not one Patriot meme has oh, had that in there. <laughs> anyway, that's enough about that uh, bullshit. We'll see you next time. And um, Merry Christmas, everybody. Wait, why am I saying it now? We're going to be back next week, yeah, I but think. We can still say it. It's yeah, a, it's I... a, it's a, it's Christmas season. All right. Have the holiday season. Have a holly jolly Christmas. <laughs> it's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow. I'm going to have a cup of year. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And in case you didn't hear. Oh, my golly. Have a holly jolly Christmas. This year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. And it's New Year's Eve, not New Year's Steve! Don't forget, 